wrestling fans, our latest audio documentary, Slang Satiev, went live last Monday. You can listen to all five episodes now on this platform. That's Slang Satiev, a five-part audio documentary on the biggest upset in Olympic wrestling history. And that's kind of when it really sat into me that summer, like, hey, if I want to win, like, I want to be the best, I can't have holes in my game. So we spent a lot of time there getting better on bottom. Um, we spent, you know, we had Tom had a conversation with me. And I, I still have a lot of conversations he used with me, I use with our guys. And I really remember sitting there and he's like, hey, you know, 40 guys can make the round of 12 and say they were in the round of 12. There's four guys at every weight class, there's 10 weights. You want to be that guy? Or do you want to be the one of 10 who walk out of there with what they came there for? We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience, Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, Natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. You know I get excited when we have an Illinois guest on the show, and that's the case today because we have the great Tony Ramos on the show. Tony was a three-time Illinois state champ, a national champion at the University of Iowa, a multiple-time world team member, and now he's the associate head coach at the University of North Carolina. I love this conversation, folks, so let's just get right to it. Fan of the week goes to my man, Tommy G. That's Tommy G. McG on Instagram. Tommy is a big fan of the Matt Ezevito podcast, so thank you so much for the support, Tommy. As always, Wrestling Changed My Life is proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Spartan Combat just released a Yanni Diakamahalas combat jersey. It's red with white and black letters. I really like it. I'd love for you guys to check it out and let me know what you think. You can find that at SpartanCombat.com. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the great Tony Ramos. Tony Ramos, welcome to the podcast, sir. How you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for coming on. Love having an Illinois guy on the show. You know, we love our wrestling here in the state of Illinois. I got to say, man, my first memory of you, 2004, I was at Fargo. One of my best friends was Tyler Clark. We're hanging out after he got done wrestling Greco and somehow your mom and Vince walked up and we started talking wrestling. And I'll never forget this. Your mom said, you know, Tony's going to wrestle on the world team someday. You must've been in like sixth grade. And I'm like, what the hell? Like who's thinking of that in sixth grade, man? 
when did all this yeah. start for you? These like these goals of being an NCAA champ, world team member, Olympia. When did all that start? Yeah, it's funny you asked that because for me, they probably started really young. Um, and my, me and my wife were just talking the other day. AJ, my oldest, he's six years old. Wow. And he hasn't, he doesn't wrestle. He hasn't gone to a practice, hasn't touched a mat yet. And I was like, dang, I started when I was three. By six, I was like serious about it. Like we right. were getting pretty serious, you know, six, seven, eight years old. Um, and that's kind of when, you know, I've asked my dad, I was like, when did you know I was actually going to be good or think that I could do some of the things I did? And he's like, pretty, pretty early on, we knew you were pretty good. Um, so it's always funny to kind of think back, like, when, when did these goals come around and where, when did you really think about them? Um, for me, you know, it kind of always goes back to, I remember being in the Bill Lumber Cougars, you know, we had two separate rooms, but one of the rules was always when we bring it in, you had to be on a knee. One knee, you couldn't sit on your butt until you were a state champ. And I can't remember when it was, but I know it was early on because it was before I even got into the big kid room. Um, I went undefeated, you know, and I was doing pretty well. And I, I was like, I can sit on my butt. I'm a state champ. They're like, no, you don't even have a state tournament. You're not old enough to compete in the state <laughs> tournament. Uh, but I think really early on, you know, maybe seven, eight, nine years old, I always had aspirations of, you know, winning state titles. I don't know if I ever thought about World and Olympics at that time yet because I, you know, we didn't have the technology to watch those things like we do now. I don't even, you know, for right. me, everyone always asks, who'd you look up to? My brothers, you know, some of the best people who wrestled like Lumbar North, like Dana Holland and those guys, you know, it wasn't these college wrestlers or World Olympic wrestlers we had access to all the time. Isn't that crazy? Like we're, you're a little younger than me, but we're pretty much the same age. I, it's so true. Like you couldn't even watch the world championships back in the mid 2000s even. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. Cause you, you know, Jamil Kelly, he's older here and he's someone who always talks to, he goes, you don't know who this person is or that person is really good. I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> like, you need to brush up on your history of wrestling. It's like, that stuff wasn't around for us. I like, no, you guys were going through it. So you knew them, you know, you probably know some of the older people. That's what you wanted to do. But for me, I just, knew the people in our state, like a Mikey Poeta or, you know, Eric Tannenbaum and these good guys. That's who I looked up to. Izzy, you know, Dana Holland, my brother. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's it, man. Growing up in Illinois, it was like a little bubble. You know, I, I remember seeing Jimmy Candy for the first time strutting around. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the dude right there. He was like uh, yeah. he was like that when I was coming up. Yep. So did you wrestle at the wrestling factory? I did for a couple of years. So. Um, in second grade, we moved from Carroll Stream to uh, Johnsburg, McHenry area, mm -hmm. and we tried out a couple of different clubs. Um, first one we went to was Stateline Wildcats, and that's kind of where I met Jordan Blanton, um, Jack Deckow, and those guys mm -hmm. up there. Uh, we were part of the Junior Golden Eagles with you know, Ryan and Scotty Horcher, and that was going on up there. I can't remember if we went to the wrestling factory between the Golden Eagles and Martinez Elite, or if it was between State Line and um, and the Junior Golden Eagles. But we were at wrestling factory for a little bit, you know, with Jimmy. Um, you know, Tony Hernandez was the coach then, and some of those top guys that were coming out of there, like the Carlson brothers, and mm -hmm. you know, we were part of that program too. So who? I've listened to a lot of podcasts you've done today with Bashamania or um, my man, Sam Herring on Whole Man Advantage. Yeah. So I'm trying to cover a little bit of more Illinois niche stuff, but the one thing I could not find online, man, who were some of your IKWF battles like six, seventh, eighth grade? <laughs> did you sweep them or do you have some 
some goes <laughs> with uh, with some guys back then. I I can't, you know, John Morrison. Um, yeah, I wrestled him one time when we were really young. It was at remember when they used to have like that elite tournament at Providence where there was no age group or age division. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was my first time wrestling in it or second time wrestling in it, and Morrison had just come over from Indiana. Um, we wrestled oh, wow. there. That was the first time. We never wrestled again until he was in eighth grade. So like I. I didn't have a battle with him there because it was really just a one-time thing. And the next time I wrestled him was in eighth grade. Um, some of the kids I grew up wrestling a lot were like Max Nowry. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember Ryan Yauk? Oh, yeah. Crystal Lake? Him a lot. Yep. What about um, BJ? Did you ever wrestle BJ coming up? Me and BJ wrestled all the time growing up. And I only beat him once. Wow. Which is crazy because in college, I flipped the script. He only beat me once in college. And I beat right. every time after that. Um, dude, I tell people but, BJ Futrell was one of the scariest dudes when he walked in away. And I remember one time it was like the Midwest <laughs> classic, the one at Tenley park. He walked in with like a fur parka. He was like 62 pounds up. I was terrified, man. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I would always be at, remember when they had that summer tournament at, um, in the gladiators that Forsyth ran and you mm-hmm. made those weird special brackets. He would always put me and BJ together with like, uh, Terrell Wilborn was another one. Um, so I competed with a lot of those guys. <sighs> Kid from uh Chillicoth, can't remember his name. Oh, right Bybee now. was tough. Bybee. Dude. He <clears throat> cut yep. off his finger in high school. Do you remember yes. that? Yes, I wrestled him a lot. Uh Scott Feldman, who passed away, you know, pretty recently. Just mm-hmm. I, I, he was one of the guys that competed with. He was tough. Um trying to think of some of the other ones. Fitz and Ryder. Yep. Growing up, you know, some so more of those guys. Man, that was such a fun time for Illinois wrestling because if you look at the NCAA brackets, once you got to Iowa and started making a name for yourself, there's a lot of Illinois dudes in there. You know, BJ, Dardanes. Um, oh, yeah, Dardanes. I wrestled those guys growing up too all the time. Dude, those are some hammers. <clears throat> yeah. And the one thing I kind of forgot about is outside of the folk style success you had winning three Illinois titles, back when Team USA didn't really go to the cadet worlds, you won that three times. Yeah, and I get very frustrated about that when I look back because you see like these cadet worlds and stuff now, and it's you know, people talk about oh, he was first ever to make three cadet world teams. I was like, dude, I was probably one of the first ever to win the trials three times in a row. We just didn't have a team, right? I won it every year, and I it was there weren't slouches, like I'd be Eric Rahalis, and um, you know, I think even one year in Avotchkov might have been in my bracket, but that might have been at Western Junior Regionals and you know, Lee Munster, Ellis Coleman, you know, Coleman, I used to wrestle him all the time. Wow. My last Greco match was against Ellis Coleman. It was the first time he beat me. I got pissed and never wrestled again. <laughs> Mike Powell's probably still telling that story. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I used to grow up wrestling, you know, I look back at some of those brackets and there's a lot of world teamers. There's national champs. I mean, it was a lot of fun. What was the path for you to make the junior world team where you went to the world championships and wrestled the Iranian? Yeah, so that was, uh, you know, and you kind of go back talking about cadets. I wish I could have wrestled in cadets because if you go and look at my junior bracket, the Iranian who won it, who do you think that was? That's the same dude you wrestled in 2015, right? Rahimi. Yeah. yeah. Who do you think took third on his side of the bracket? It was uh, the Georgian. Kishnevili. Kishnevili. It was every guy that I ended up wrestling on the senior level. And you talk about success we're having now on the senior level. Yeah, they're competing against those guys every year. Right. You know, if I would have competed against Rahimi, Kishnevili, um, you know, those 
those top guys that won my weights every year I was there. I haven't been doing it since cadets all the way through juniors. Think about that. Like, what if you just, instead of, you were probably like a senior in high school or maybe a freshman in Iowa when that happened. Yep. Senior year, high school, going into Iowa freshman. Perfect. So like, if you just, from that time on through 2016, 2020 wrestled freestyle, like how different like would our system be, you know, like I, where do you sit on that debate? Like does folk style help us in freestyle or would we be better going solo freestyle? Um, I don't know if we better go solo. I like it, but I do wish back when I was going through, we had the world championships and those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pan Ams. We didn't do any of those. I never wrestled in a Pan Am. I never did any of those. And I had won all those tournaments. Um, and I think it just would have gave you more opportunities to really gauge where you're at. And right. that's how you get better. You know, if you're winning these things, but you're not going and getting beat best in the world, your, your, uh, your skill set, you know, it doesn't show your flaws. Right. Um, and that's how you get better. <clears throat> well, think about all the additional opportunities for being recruited. Um, yeah. You had about as dominant of high school career as you could have from an Illinois perspective. And I heard on Bashamania, Tom Brains gave you 3%. Like, <laughs> yeah. what the it's heck funny, is that, though. bro? If you go and watch the Iowa Way video, um, which I have it on my Rockfin channel, um, Terry in there says, yo, he wasn't a blue rich chip recruit coming out. I was like, dude, uh, what? Yeah, I, <laughs> I know. Was. Maybe not for Iowa because they had, you know, Nate Moore, who was the number one recruit in the country. Mm-hmm. And they had your buddy, Tyler Clark, who was an All-American who transferred over. They didn't need me. So that was one of the things where I understood why the – the offer was where it was at is you know, they didn't really need me. I just more so wanted to go there. If Carl Perry <laughs> would have been the head coach, have you gone to Illinois? hundred percent. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a touchy subject because me and Carl are still close to this day. He actually lives down here in North Carolina and runs, um, FCA, one of the headquarters out here in North Carolina. Right. And it's funny because you know, people have asked me like, why didn't you go? to Illinois. Well, Carl Perry was my guy. He didn't get the job. And I'm going to be honest. I didn't know really, I didn't really know Heffernan. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they, when they got hired, I actually asked my coach, I said, who is Heffernan? I had never seen him around. You know, he wasn't present as much as Carl and Hunter and, you know, the other coaches that were at Fargo camps and doing things. And I could have, you know, you talk about flowing stuff. We didn't have it back then. So we didn't know who coaching staffs were, who did what. I actually had no idea he was a coach on staff. Like any of the years he was there. Crazy because you mentioned flow. One of the first videos I remember on flow is when they followed you guys around going to the Izzy style practice. You remember <laughs> yeah. that? It was at the Montini yep. room. <laughs> yep. Dude, speaking of Izzy style, how did you end up in that camp as opposed to going overtime with Sean Bormet? Cause they were an equally dominant force back then. Yeah, they were an equally dominant force. And when you ask about those rivalries, every kid I wrestled was probably an overtime kid. Yeah, they came out of overtime. Spanglers, uh, you know, Dardanes went there. Dardanes, Feldman, Morrison, all those guys. Um, which is weird, you know, because I had success against all of them. Mm-hmm. And I think there were very few times I lost any of those kids. Um, but really, it was more so. You know, we were at Martinez Elite. We were wrestling for them. Um, overtime was very expensive. You know, just wasn't one of the places that we, you know, I don't even know if it was we could afford or even thought about, but we were in a good training situation. And Izzy kind of fell into our lap and I fell into his lap. You know, it was a win-win for both of us. He had just got thrown out of Iowa. He came back home. I was in his dad's club. You know, I remember, I still remember it like it was tomorrow. He just showed up in the room one day 
you know, in his flip-flops. And this is when he was skinny and back in the day, you know, still crazy and wild. And I'm looking over like, that guy kind of looks familiar. Who is that? And, you know, that's you hear people talk about him. You know, when he shows up in the room, it's it was a pretty big deal. Uh, my mom and my brother, my oldest brother, Frankie, you know, we're really close with Izzy. They grew up together. And they started talking, did some privates with them. And it came to the point where I was like, why don't we just start our own club? Oh, wow. And that became when him and his dad kind of started having a little bit of, you know, beef back and forth. Because Izzy came in, was doing privates with me, took me out of his club, started his own club. And basically me, Izzy, and a few other kids started Izzy Style Wrestling. And I didn't it, know that. And it just so happened to be that, like, I had so much success you know, right away with winning state titles, going to Iowa, performing. And, and it was early on in his career where I think other parents or kids might have saw the success I was having and really paved the way. Like, yeah, we, we're sending our kid to him. Yeah. The club kind of blew up from there. So you never even went to like a <clears throat> single overtime practice? I went to overtime one time and it was because I had to for cadet trials camp. I was going to say, or, what about like junior World. duels and all that? It was you... like junior duels camp or something like that where I had to go. Yeah. And that was the only time I ever stepped foot in the building. Man, I had no idea that that's how it started. Cause I remember, you know, I remember like the Fox Valley splitting off to Martinez and then it was Martinez Fox Valley lead at Sheridan. And then I, I kind of got away from it when it all split up to Izzy style. So um, anyway, man, I just never knew how that all had that all transpired. And obviously yeah, it was like four of us. It was like me, my brother, Mark Stenberg, Colton Rashi. I was like the main four core that started. And then a couple of our Glomar North kids that we were close with started to come over. You know, the Montini kids started to come in once, you know, Martinez Elite was out of Montini. Izzy Style was in Montini. Mm-hmm. Izzy started getting in with Coach Boo and kind of helping with that program. And it's really funny because I wasn't going to go to Glomar North. I was actually shopping around options of maybe going to Blair Academy. I took the test to get into Blair. Um, Montini? I was going to Montini. Like I was going <laughs> because of Izzy. Yeah. And I remember, you know, my older brother, Frankie had made a promise to coach on that. My brothers will wrestle for you. He wrestles for him. He's like, my brothers are going to wrestle for you. And Han didn't believe him. He's like, dude, these guys moved in second grade. There's no way you guys are keeping this promise that they're going to come back and wrestle for me. So Vince, my old, Vince, who's my middle brother, he goes back, he wrestles, you know, we're, we're in Carroll stream. And, uh, I'm in eighth grade and I'm kind of on the fence of like, I don't think I'm going to go there. So just, it was almost like my college recruiting where I love my brother. I love my family, but I didn't feel it was the best place for me at that time. Mm-hmm. Like I felt going with Izzy and doing what I was doing, I was going to have so much success and, you know, accomplish everything in the world. Um, but my older brother, Frank sat me down and said, there is no chance you're going to Montini. He's like, it's not happening. If, you know, I'm going to be funding you. I'm going to be helping you. You are going to Glenbar North. We made a promise. That's what you're doing. You're keeping your word. And that's kind of when one of the, it really hits me of these morals, like keeping your word, doing what you said you're going to do. That was one of the first real, you know, sit down conversations I've had, you know, as a young kid about that. So we go to Glenbar North and that's when we made the, the choice of, yeah, I'm going to go to Glenbar North, but I'm still going to get my extra practices in with Izzy and make sure I'm doing all that too. Um, so I had, you know, a lot of training, a lot of workouts, a lot of practices, and we made it work. That's tough because you didn't make that promise. Your brother <clears throat> did without knowing any, you know, I know yep. how your career progressed. So 
um, you ended up getting there. What was your like daily high school routine when you were really in the thick of it? Um, I was a work horse. I was, you know, the work never bothered me. It still doesn't bother me to this day. Um, you know, I'm going to give it everything I can. So, you know, we would have our morning workouts before school with Bumber North, like six or whatever it was. And then we would have our afternoon practice. And then some nights I would go up and go practice at Izzy style afterwards, you know, it just really depended what part of the season we were in. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously when we we're in the thick of the high school season, I spent most of my time at high school, but you know, early preseason, um, once, you know, season ended, I was always with Izzy, you know, consistently, um, working hard, getting pushed, getting screamed and yelled at. And he's calm compared to what he is now. And he tells his guys all the time, he's like, you guys think you had it rough? Like, imagine how the guys had it when I first started out. I was out of college. Um, so how do you mean? Fun. How do you mean? Do you have any stories? Oh, I got way too many stories. Probably a lot that I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, me, to that me point, the- used to fight, not like physically, but like we would get in arguments with each other. But I always knew, like, what he said is what I believed in, and I was going to do it no matter how much I wanted to piss and moan at him. Yeah. How much of a motivator is he? Like, what I guess, what makes him a great motivator? Because that's what really jumps out to me. Yeah, I think that's where he is awesome. You know, he knows what to say. He knows how to motivate you. He knows how to get you going. And he has a lot of success. And, you know, that might be the downfall with some of the kids he has, too, is he was so good at it. I think when they leave him, they struggle. Mm. They struggle to – because the way he coached or the way he teached or the way he, you know, motivated and pushed them, they're not getting it where they're at next. Um, and, it, and it's tough. You know, you go into college, there's a lot, of, a lot of different motivators, as we all know, that can pull you a lot of different ways. And you don't yeah. have Izzy there, you know, setting you straight because he's going to tell you exactly how it is. Um, and some college coaches are afraid to, to really tell the student athletes how it is because it's so easy to leave nowadays. Yeah. It's tough. It's, you know, it's a fine line. You got to go back and forth between. And I'm sure he's like the best at saying, Hey, I did it this way. Do it another way. You know? And so he's learned through all of it. You know, he's been there. Yep. And I don't think he really, you know, there are not many times to use that one on me because that makes it easy for me to say, well, you did it that way. Then why should I do it the other way? Right. It worked for you. Um, so he didn't really use a lot of that. Um, only every once in a while, he just really found out how to push you and how to get you going. What did he say when you called him to tell him that Guerrero said that Oklahoma state had to sign John Morrison and you were basically, it, it was kind of um, unclear. Like what was his, I, what I was his uh, feedback? I don't really remember what it was, you know, what that conversation was, but I'm going to bet you deep down inside he was happy. <laughs> Cause he knew that was a real, you know, a place that I was really looking at and he knew in his heart and his mind, there was one place for me to go and it was Iowa. And I don't know if that was just because of the way the brand's coached. I don't know if it was because he had just, you know, was there, didn't finish what he was doing and wanted me to go back and finish it the right way. Um, but it was something, you know, that's where he wanted me at. I mean, I work now looking back, like, how could you go anywhere else? I mean, that is just like the, the perfect place for you. But at the time, there were so many Illinois guys at Oklahoma State, Benefield, Albert White, John Morrison. I mean, that that's a ton for the, you know, a school out in Oklahoma that gets the best recruits out of any state. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Um, you know, especially with I had 
this is probably the harder one is I had five teammates and a brother who were all at Indiana and teammates that I were really close with, like, like guys that stood up in my wedding. Um, so you're sitting there being like, I can make the easy choice and go to Indiana with my brother and with basically my five other brothers mm-hmm. and get myself a full ride and my brother a full ride. Cause they, if I went, they were giving my brother a full ride. That was part of the deal. Damn. And it was one of the toughest decisions I had to make because I couldn't do what was, you know, it's almost one of those things where you got to do what's best for you and be selfish this time and not what's best for everyone around mm-hmm. you. Um, and that was, you know, I just felt like that wasn't the right fit for me. And dude, you were walking into a war zone <laughs> at Iowa. Nate Moore, for people who don't remember, Fargo champ. Uh, Tyler Clark, as you mentioned, was a transfer in from Iowa State. When Kale left, he left, came to Iowa. And man, like I remember going to, you know how they do the wrestle off on the football yeah. weekend? I was like going to just a tailgate at a football game. Must have been 2010. Clark actually beat you in the wrestle off. I don't know if it was your freshman year or your retro freshman year. Two years year. ago. Two years Two ago. Year? No. Yeah. Dude, what was the path <laughs> for you to get in the starting lineup at, against those dudes? Um, you know, freshman year, there were a lot of a lot of factors that went into that. Sophomore year was a little more clear cut. What about your um, redshirt year? Like where you weren't starting? How was that? How was that year? I didn't get to even wrestle wrestles or anything because freshman year I had an injury right away and I was out all the way till January. Um, gotcha. So my redshirt freshman year, I lost the wrestle off. Um, but if you go back and you kind of look at the matches and this is how Tom and Terry are with it is they don't, they don't really look at who won. Mm-hmm. And we tell our guys the same thing. Wrestle offs aren't the end all be all. Like there's going to be other opportunities. I was the only one outside of the overtime takedown. I think Nate Moore got against Tyler that scored takedowns, even in mine and Tyler's match. Like Tyler beat me on riding time, but I was the only one to score a takedown. So they're going there thinking who's going to give us the best opportunity against the competition, not against each other. Um, and Nate Moore had won the wrestle off. So if anything, Nate Moore should have been the guy week one. So their choice here was their plan is they were going to send us all to an open that first week. And whoever won the open, that's that's who the guy was going to be. What was it, Kaufman Brand or St. Louis? <clears throat> yes, Kaufman Brand. Okay. I broke my foot. I couldn't go. Oh. Broke my foot that week. Tyler Clark broke his hand at the Kaufman Brand, so didn't get to wrestle the whole tournament out. And I can't remember what happened to Nate. I think something happened to Nate or something didn't happen to Nate. I don't remember exactly what it was. So we're getting down to the Iowa State duel, and it's all that's left is Nate Moore. Well, I, I, was, I told Tom, I can wrestle on this. Like, I'm fine. It was just the outside of my foot that was broken. We taped it up, put a little pad in there. It was more of a pain thing than anything. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't a wrestle-off. It was more of like, a, hey, one takedown, go. Me, me and more. I got, I got the one takedown. I didn't know if that was the wrestle off, what it was, anything like that. And, you know, he, I got the one takedown. He put me out for Iowa State. And, you know, that whole year, my whole mindset was, and I use this as an example of some of our guys who, you know, that might be in the same situation is any chance I have, I got to freaking run with it. And that's, I just went out. I was scoring a lot of points. I was beating guys. I was doing really well. And I didn't give them the chance to pull me out of the lineup, even if they wanted to, they, they, they just couldn't. Um, then we go into Midlands. 
me and Tyler split matches there. I win the first one. He wins for fifth. Oh, but it was the same really? thing again, where I was the only one who scored takedowns in any of the matches. So that's kind of what made their decision. They said, hey, he's got more offensive opportunity. He's going to give us more chances in matches. We're putting him out there. The only match they didn't wrestle with me, and this one stuck with me forever and will still stick with me to this day, was Oklahoma State. Oof. That hurts. They didn't wrestle me in that one. And I don't – no one's ever told me this, and this is a theory I came up with in my head, and I'll stick with it till the day I, you know, I die, is they thought I was going to get majored by Jordan Oliver. And the duel was going to be very close. And I think they brought Tyler thinking he could keep it close because he was good at riding, Mm -hmm. keeping matches close. We lost the duel by one point. Clark got majored. Oh, man. (laughs) I can't believe they put put him in after you've been starting all year against the biggest duel in the the schedule. So the next year is when I got to wrestle Jordan and Carver. For a year and a half, that built up in me. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, when I get the chance to wrestle this guy, I'm going to prove it. So it wasn't just, you know, me wrestling Jordan. It was, I wanted to prove to them that you could rely on me any, in any situation. And I'm going to go out there and do my job. And I won the match. And Overtime we still lost or, the duel. Overtime, how did it go down? Yeah, it came out the right outs. Our, our, our clock screwed up to send it into overtime because I had raced riding time, but they ran it the wrong way. There's a whole issue with the riding time. Um, we still end up losing that duel, but we tied because I had won the match, or else we weren't even coming down to tiebreakers. Damn. So that that situation stuck with me forever, and it freaking drove me crazy. Like when I get the chance to wrestle Jordan, I'm gonna freaking prove it that they should have sent me. Uh, Dude, so that, that is crazy. It's little things, it's little things like that that always like motivated me, and, and you know, dug down deep to my core that made me work harder. And there's, I guess, I'm guessing there's probably two other things in that area that kind of stick out in that front. Before we get to Stever, your freshman year, the year we're talking about, you're in the lineup all year, breakout performance at the Big Tens, the internationals as a six seed and don't make the podium. How did you process that and use that moving forward? Yeah, that was tough. And that was, I probably had the worst draw for a six seed possible just for my style. Because, gotcha. you know, that year, everyone knew I struggled on bottom mm-hmm. and I get sent these first round who's long and just like Tyler wins a lot of matches at riding time. And it was two zero match, you know, and I, I've heard Senti's talk about the match and yeah, he is second period or something. I can't remember what it was. He goes, my choice. And I'm looking over at Tom and them and uh, I picked down and he's like, Oh man, this, this, I got it. He's done for picking down instead of neutral. <laughs> um, and I got ridden out and then same thing, you know, in the round of 12 against Rugarello. Uh, I was getting riding time was what cost me the match. And I came back and tied the match up with 30 seconds left. And I thought I could get another takedown. So I cut him and uh, you know, he just was able to fend away those last 30 and I lose on riding time. Um, and that's kind of when it really sat into me that summer, like, Hey, if I want to win and I want to be the best, I can't have holes in my game. So We spent a lot of time there getting better on bottom. Um, we spent, you know, we had time had a conversation with me. And I, I still a lot of conversations he used with me, I use with our guys. And I really remember sitting there and he's like, hey, you know, 40 guys can make the round of 12 and say they were in the round of 12. There's four guys at every weight class, there's 10 weights. Mm-hmm. You want to be that guy or do you want to be the one of 10 who walk out of there with what they came there for? Because only 10 guys leave the national tournament happy. Right. 
really what they came for. And I was, I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't want to be the 40. I don't want to be one of the 70 all Americans. I want to be the one of 10. Powerful man. That's when I dug down and, you know, I really went to work that summer. And to your point, man, I, I remember that duel that following December. So now you're in your second year as a starter. Uh, Futrell comes into Carver and he's ranked like third. I think you majored him, Big Ten wrestler yeah. of the week. And you were really coasting at that, not coasting, but really climbing at that point. Did you have to wrestle off that year too? Or were you the guy at that point? No, I lost the wrestle off that year again to Clark. Dude. But it made it a lot easier because Midlands – Came around and I beat him, or I beat him at. Uh, we had an open the first week. I beat him pretty good there, and then Midlands I beat him again. So that kind of ended that. Um, but I lost the rest off when you know it came to the competitions. I won those two. <clears throat> and and like at that point, now you're starting to separate yourself, uh, and now you're focusing on just the the remaining few: Logan Sieber, Jordan Oliver, Logan Sieber, and you had a rivalry that that spans you know I don't know how many matches. How many like times in the air dam were you sitting there thinking about that? Dude, or thinking about those matches? Because you said before that drove you to the next level. That's all I used to think about. Like there was one guy that I was going after, and I think that's what made me so good in my junior years, you know, sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was tough senior year, and people, you know, it's hard. I don't know if people understand. Like once you're on the top, you know, everyone's chasing you now, and unless you're really motivated and chasing something. It, you got to be special um, in junior and sophomore junior year. You know, I, I had that guy I was, you know, gunning after. And I think, you know, so the senior year when I lost to Cologne, you know, that, that gave me that motivation back and that like fire and drive that I really needed. Um, what was that? The Cologne match? Midlands senior year. I got pinned. Oh man, for an <clears throat> Illinois guy, that's the Midlands is like yeah. a special place. So there's one tournament that I might come out of retirement to wrestle in. And I want to win a Midlands championship. So <laughs> this day. Let's never go. won. No kidding. What about um, your junior and sophomore never year? Never won one. <laughs> junior year, I lost to Carter. Oh yeah. Only yeah. match I ever lost to Devin Carter. Sophomore year, I uh did I lose you sophomore year? We didn't go. Mm. Gotcha. Sophomore year is the one year Iowa did not go. That's crazy, man. That is such a uh, man. Who would I would have never guessed that? That's a that's a good wrestling trivia right there. If someone's making a game, because everyone would have yeah. thought, you know, I would have you know there's, three or four of those. Say there's two Iowa guys who never won a Midlands title. Recent. I'm one. Who's the other? Lee. Yep. I, I went to that one too. I went to that when I took my brother there. It was our first time going to Midlands in like five years, and he lost to Bresser, and we were just devastated because the only reason we came was to watch Lee versus who I can't remember who they were going to pull him out against that year. Yeah. Um, who was that? I cannot think of it right now, but uh, it never happened. And uh, yeah, I, I do remember that. So before you became the guy and had all these you know, awesome matches, Carver Hawkeye star, you know, the stare down, all of it, what was it like going into the Hawkeye room like that redshirt freshman year when you knew that any given day someone could be the starter? Were like you going in like battle cry, like going into like an open tournament or like what was it like? I just went in and did, went to work. I remember my dad would call me. He's like, you know, should we come? Are you wrestling this week? I was like, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you the week before. I won't know until I step on the mat and I'm getting ready to step on the mat. 
So if you want to come, come. If you don't, don't. <laughs> and even, you know, even like getting ready for Big Tens and NCAs, in my mind, it wasn't done until I weighed in at Big Tens. I didn't know if I was going to be the guy. And same thing. I said, when I weigh in at Big Tens, I'll know I'm wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I just stuck with that mindset that whole year going through, even if Tom came up to me early in the week and said, hey, you're going. Because I didn't know it could change. If I was okay with it and content, it could change. So for me, it was always, I'm not the guy until I step on the line. And if I step on the line and get that chance, I ain't let them take it away. Think about the, like the development <laughs> someone makes if they're going into each practice, knowing that you got two savages looking over your shoulder, ready for you to go down at any second. I mean, that, yeah. and then you, it's just amazing to think about how, how competitive that room was. Um, once you, you know, won your national title, you know, your jump to the international scene was, was quick for a lot of people. And people are like, Oh my God, he just made a world team. What was the cut like from 33 to 25? <laughs> it was rough. Uh, it was rough, but you know, the whole, like where everyone was surprised, I was never surprised. I was always a freestyle, you know, guy and I was good at it. You know, you go back and look, like you said, I won three cadet, whatever it was back then, Fila cadets. I won Fila juniors. Beating Steber to make uh, the team, right? I beat Steber to make the team. Um, you know, that was, for me, it benefited me because you didn't have to wrestle on the mat. Right. You know, I was good on my feet. Right. I had great defense. I could stay in matches. Um, so I knew I could compete with those guys. The biggest thing was, and it's funny because I was talking to Macy Kilty actually yesterday about, hey, right now we, we need, we need you to recover. We need some time off the mat. She's like, well, I've been off the mat for five months. I was like, Macy, you got to want to get on the mat when it's time to get on it. Not, not just be on it from here to April. Mm-hmm. And they were good with that. I remember going in and in my mind, I was getting married in July that year. July 19th, 2014. I wasn't going to compete. I didn't think I could make the weight once all that happened. I told Tom and Terry, like, I'm not competing this year. I can't make the weight. There's no way. Like, it's impossible. Um, Because I couldn't make 25 in college. I tried my freshman year. I couldn't do it. Um, That's crazy. You made it four years later. I made it for for six years, four years later. (laughs) And Jesus. And uh, they were like, okay. And I think they were being smart. I'm just saying, yeah, go take some time away. Go ahead. So I was getting ready for wedding stuff. I was back home in Indiana with my wife doing some things. And what's funny is the trials were the same day as our wedding shower. And we're sitting at home. We're watching the U.S. Open. And I see Tyler Graff make 25. And I see him have some success. And I see Hayeswinkle win it. And I'm sitting there and I'm stirring and I'm stewing. And I look at her and go, I can do it. He's like, what do you mean? I go, if he can freaking make the weight and he's bigger than me, I can make it. Mm-hmm. Called Terry that night. I said, Terry, I'm going. And he's like, where? I was like, I'm going to the trials. I'm wrestling. And he's like, I knew you'd come around. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went in, you know, that next day we got back. We had all this wedding stuff planned. It was already ready to go. And my wife's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's funny because you watched Burroughs' clip the other day when he was talking about like Imar. Yeah. You know, I yeah. got four kids. Like when I hear some of this stuff about kids and pregnancies and this, and I'm like, dude, I got four kids. My wife was pregnant during the U S open. I wrestled in it. Right. You know, I, it is what it is. You got goals. You got things you got to accomplish. You want to do, they understand it. They're supportive of it mm-hmm. and go and do what you got to do. Um, 
you know, I, <laughs> I remember getting ready for that U.S. Open and I, I was just getting ready. My wife was in the hospital. She was in labor. I'm back and forth between practices. You know, she had the baby. I left her that night to go wrestle. Dude, that's uh, crazy. She was in the hospital by herself. And it's, that's just what it is. You, know, you make it work. You make it work because you're, you're a team. You guys all have the same goals. And, you know, she's got aspirations. I got aspirations. We support each other on it. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, getting back to your question about, you know, fit in 14, you know, I came out, I was ready to go. You know, once I said I'm wrestling, I was all in. And dude, you were a staple for, for many, many years. It, but then one of the strangest partnerships I've ever seen took place. You and Coleman Scott, I absolutely <laughs> love it. But on its, on its face, I don't know if there's ever been an Okie State National Champ and Iowa National Champ pairing up on the same staff. May, I mean, I can't think of it. Maybe it's happened. How Okay, from Bashamania, I heard you say that the day after the Olympic trials in 2016, your brother called Coleman. My question is why? Like, what was the, what was like the genesis of you reaching out to him? So it all actually goes back to like previous year, uh, Corey Cooperman. Mm -hmm. I know Corey Cooperman pretty well. Um, I was trying to get hooked up with Milwaukee, uh, you know, a sponsorship. I went out there. I'd met with Joe Galli. Um, I had met with Corey and this is before Coleman was even involved. Um, and I actually didn't know at that time that Joe Galli was the big donor at UNC who had got Coleman there and got him a job and like all this stuff. Mm. Um, trials happen, you know, all that stuff happens is, is we all know the, the history of it and the story right. of it. And me and my brother are sitting there and, and even before that I had like told Tom numerous times, I want to get into coaching after 2016. And that's, that's what I want to do. It's my passion. That's where I want to do. I want to coach. Mm -hmm. um, and we, he had always sat me down like, well, why, why can't you wait? You know, like, and I think it was more sort of a thing. There was no spots in Iowa. And if I was going to stay there, it wouldn't have worked. And I don't know if they wanted me to leave. Yeah. You know, we were, we were really good at good relationships, you know, it was good for the program, but I wanted to get into coaching. So I had already looked at a few places in mind of like, where would I go? Um, one was Wisconsin, you know, one was, um, at Purdue, I talked to Purdue, and those were more so my wife's from Indiana. You know, my mm -hmm. family's close to Wisconsin. Madison's a nice place. I like it. Yep. Um, I like Barry Davis. And I, I called, I was like, what about UNC? Like, we know Joe, we know Cooperman. And he's like, you know, yeah, that would help your wrestling if you keep wrestling, just learning that style, different mindset, different eyes looking at you. So we call Cooperman first before we actually call Coleman. Col Cooperman gets him in touch with Coleman. From there, the kind of rest was history because I already had the relationship with Joe. So whatever the salary kind of needed to be, you know, that, you know, it came from Joe a little bit. It came from the school or the club some. It, just, it made it work easy. But this was all like the day after the trials, right? Yep, right after. They, they met, you know, my brother called Coleman. was like, hey, you know, Tony's looking to kind of go somewhere. He wants to coach and wrestle. And that was the big thing. Wherever I was going, I wanted to be on, on the staff. I didn't want to just go and be part of an RTC. Gotcha. Um, it made sense for Coleman and it worked. I love it, man. What are some of the biggest things you've learned from Coleman and you can call it the Oklahoma state style, but just in general, like what are some of the things you saw that you didn't really have an eye for when you were at Iowa? A whole different way of training, a whole different way of training. How so? 
you don't have to kill your body 24 seven. Um, you know, they're, I was, if I were to kind of put it to analogies, I was like more iron sharpens iron mm-hmm. and Oklahoma State's more like death by a million or a thousand cuts or whatever it is. Yeah. Cause they drill the heck out of positions and over and over and repetition. And it's not always just beating yourself up. Um, but we've done a really good job of mixing those two together because I, I'm never going to say that like working hard isn't good for you. So I couldn't buy into the whole just drill, drill, drill 24 seven thing. But we've done a good job of really combining all that together. What would you guys do at Iowa? Just come in like 20 minutes on your own, then an hour alive. You would come like, you'd have your individual coach. I was with Terry and like once or twice a week, we do like a 30, 45 minute drill and your lift was with that coach. And then a practice was come in, warm up, wrestle hard, condition hard, do some muscle conditioning hard afterwards. And it's really what it was. Like you got better by competing in the room with each other, just going at it every day. Um, so I don't know where like, it's at now, but that's what it was when I was there. So there wasn't <laughs> like a like a big 30 minutes huddle up, let's, let's show some technique, work on some positions. That was more individual. Very few. It was very few. It was more individual there. You know, a couple of times in the beginning of the year, we'd go over some positions, but even in our drills, they'd be really quick drills hard. And then we get, get into our, you know, harder conditioning, get ready, go live. Got it. Whereas Oklahoma state, we've all, yeah, we've all heard that adage, you know, big time drilling, maybe 20 minutes alive max. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's very true. I, I'll tell you what there's, there's, we don't, I don't know if we wrestle more than 20 minutes live sometimes. Wow. Um, but we'll spend an hour and a half of just position drilling where it's almost, it, it made sense. The more we started asking and talking about some of the things it's if I tell you to drill a single leg for an hour and a half, you're going to get bored and lose focus. Right. It yeah. makes you have to start dialing in mentally. Like I got to stay focused through this and it taxes you mentally. So it does, it works. It, it, and it's been good to be able to mix them together. Different kind of work, right? It's like a mental work versus a physical work. Way different. I am. Um, I'm sad to say I have a call in two minutes. That I got to run. We could talk for hours. I got to ask you about this guy though. First national champ from the land of Lincoln since you, Austin O'Connor. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that animal. Like what? What's he brought to the program? What's his approach? Well, he's you know toughness and work ethic. That's really what he's brought in. Um. You know, his attitude, he just expects to win though. You know, he's like, that's the thing is it's, it's not even like the toughness and the work ethic part. It's, it's more so the guys look at him and it's like, are you, you ever think you're going to lose? Like uh, every time he steps on the mat, he believes he's going to win. Right. Like unbelievably. And it, you can't teach that in a lot of people, but when you get someone in there and a lot of people can see it, they start to build off of it mm-hmm. and it just grows the program. So he's done a really good job with that. Just really setting, you know, the tone of, you're expected to win here. We are not just soccer, basketball, lacrosse, whatever. We're a wrestling school now here too, and we're going to win titles. I mean, how many? How long had it been since UNC to have a national champ before that? 1995. TJ? Yep. Wow. That's crazy. In, in Illinois, for me, being an Illinois guy, it was 11 years, I think, between me and him. Which is just... Or no, no. It was, I think it was 11 between me and Lackey and like seven between me and him. Okay. That, 14 to 21. What is how, that? Six, seven? How absurd is that? Like we all Crazy. think Illinois is so good and, I, and they are, but man, to have three NCAA champs since Lackey in like 05, 04, whenever that was, that's like, that doesn't make sense to me, you know? So yeah, that's my pitch to kids too. Yeah. 
if you're an Illinois guy, I was the last champ and I coached the last one. So you know where to go. Absolutely, man. That's, it's so good to see like you out there, all these Illinois guys and, and just like everything that's happening with, with you and Coleman just seems like it's on the positive. I mean, the ACC in general, is just becoming a wrestling hotbed. Who would have thought it even 15 years ago? Um, I mean, think about the schools you guys are going against, you know, NC state, Virginia, Virginia tech. I mean, those are legit programs and that's kind of all been within the past five years. Yeah. It's been awesome. And it's making administration, you know, put more resources in these programs because you go look at Virginia tech, you know, they're updating facilities they're getting, you know, doing nice things and NC state with the salaries they're paying coaches. And it, that's just going to grow the ACC even more. It's awesome, man. Tony Ramos, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Always great to chat. I can't wait to get out to Chapel Hill and, and we'll continue this conversation, man. No problem. Thank you. Take care, brother. That's the end of this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. To see video clips from this interview, go to Instagram at Wrestling Changed My Life. As always, Wrestling Changed My Life is proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Please go to SpartanCombat.com to support this show.